0: Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in New York City, New York, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results.
1: Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. I'm your host, Stone Payton, and in the studio with me this afternoon, I mean, we have the full complement. We have Malou Schloss with us, who helped us uh, put this particular segment together, We have the CEO of Training Pros, Mr. Steve Capon. We have co-host Holly Payton, but uh, perhaps most important, uh, I hope you'll join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Vice President, Learning and Organizational Development for Bank of New York Mellon and President of ATD New York Metro. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Mr. John Rogener. How you doing, man?
2: Thank you very much. I'm doing just fine
1: well we are delighted to have you and i know these folks have lots of questions they want to ask you but i get to ask the first one because well i got to introduce the show <laughs>
2: okay fine
1: stone. i was at i want to say astd ice uh in dc maybe not yes. too long ago we were doing remote broadcast for uh and with our friends at, at training pros and i don't know we went and and had a cocktail and a bite to eat one evening we get up the next morning the logos change, the names change. It's not ASTD anymore. It's ATD. Can you just speak to that a little bit? Uh, tell us a little bit about that 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 change, mission, purpose, impact. Absolutely, if
2: you would. I would be delighted to. The um, the American Society for Training and Development ASTD is a moniker that has been around probably for over forty years. Oh wow! And it served its purpose. What we're finding in the overall learning and development community is is, is that we are morphing as a, as a learning and development group. We are morphing and we're becoming more than just training professionals. As you can see from my title, it's learning and organizational development. What the chapter, the national chapter, decided to do, and this was after much com- many, much conversation with several of the presidents across the the New York, uh, across the, the chapters nationally. And the thought was, we need to change how we look and what our role is. Because in the scheme of things, it's more than, what we do is more than just training and development, training and organizational development. What we do is really develop talent. And so the name of the the name of the organization was changed really to keep up with where the industry is going and i'm delighted that as president of the new york chapter i took part in that sort of that transition and it says a lot not only in terms of of what talent development means but it also says a lot in terms of what we can continue to offer our New York Metro membership, yeah. which is a much broader view than, 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 than training and development.
0: I'm curious to know, um, as ATD, has the audience that you're going after as members and to make an impact with, has that audience <laughs> changed?
2: That, that's a very good, good question. The audience has not changed. We are, are we open our membership to learning what we call talent development professionals uh, from any sector in the New York city area. We draw heavily of course from financial services, insurance, uh, some of the farmers, et cetera. so so we draw from that. And what we provide them really is, is talent development ideas, thought leadership, so that they can bring that back to their organizations. So they look to us as thought leaders in terms of what, what do we need to be providing our people within the organization relative to talent development.
0: Do you find that in companies, they used to have a, a training director, now they have a talent, head of talent, or head of talent development. And, and I'm just wondering if, those, if that role has become broader to be looking at how do I attract the right talent? It's not just training anymore. How do I attract yes. the right talent? How do I? Can you talk a little bit about how the role of talent development maybe has, has changed over the last few years?
2: We have a much more integrated approach than we had in the past. We look at talent, talent development, as you said, Holly, from from bringing someone in, hiring. So what skills and competencies uh, do we need for that job? Once they're in, how do we continue to develop those skills and those competencies? How do we measure how do we retain our, 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 our staff? How do we pay them? So it really is, and this is what I think makes, makes the, the, the field so interesting and dynamic. I don't know, it, it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <lie> about it. <laughs> it training's a, easier. <laughs> it's a lot of work, and the payoff is, is, is much Huge. bigger. Because you're looking at, you take, we're taking a more strategic approach to talent development.
0: Yes, yes, and that's uh, that's what I, I think I I see in the shift from ASTD to ATD is it is incorporating just as you said that integrated mm-hmm. approach and strategic viewpoint. Um, I was wondering from from your experience and from your vantage point, being the president of of the Metro chapter, New York chapter. Um, what do you see as the challenges, the top the top three challenges in the learning and development field?
2: The one challenge that I see is how do you deliver content in a way that's quick,
3: mm, impactful?
2: Speed. speed. Speed is critical. So we have the content as, as, as learning and development or talent development professionals. We, we have the content, whether it be leadership, management development, sales, product knowledge, change management, we have that subject matter expertise. It really is how do we deliver it to a client base that wants information and needs information quickly and efficiently. So that's, that's a huge challenge for us. The, the second piece is really around how do you measure it? How, how do you measure effectiveness? How do you measure just-in-time training? I've been in the, in the, in the field for, for about 30 years. And just-in-time training 20 years ago was, OK, just-in-time training is we'll bring them in for a half a day of uh, giving and receiving feedback during a performance appraisal. 10 years ago, that was just-in-time training. Just-in-time training today is, I I need to look at a video for 10 minutes about X. Where is it? Where can I get it? Now, what's interesting is, although the the measurement piece can be difficult, it's also, I think, an opportunity for us to say, based on that 10-minute video, How was that able to help you? What skills did you learn? What skills did you use? And so there is a benefit to that. It just means extra work or more work to kind of see where, where that impact is and, 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 and are we making a difference. That's number two. And the third, I think, is making sure that, that our, our talent development professionals are kept current and really – Continue to be students of the business. It's one thing to bring a talent development expertise to the table. It's another thing to be able to talk about the business that you're supporting in a way that the business people do. That makes us very credible.
1: I would certainly think so, but that just seems like a a target that is consistently moving and at a high rate of speed. I would think that third thing that you mentioned (laughs) might be the, the toughest of all of them. Well, and
2: that's an interesting segue because I I think one of the responsibilities of a a talent development professional is is to take personal responsibility for your own development. And part of that personal responsibility is to keep current in terms of what, what the trends are out there relative to talent development, talent management, learning and development, and it's also to keep current or keep abreast of what's going on in my industry, in the financial services sector. And I think when you can marry both of them, you have a very,
3: very uh, valuable resource there You know, John, in terms of professional development and learning and development professionals needing to stay current with with what's going on in our profession, a number of years ago I saw corporations were um, pulling back on funding for professionals to go outside of their organization to get their professional development, be it through ATD or ISPI or some of those organizations or some of these other professional development opportunities in the industry. Uh, Do you see that coming back now? Because I again, I, I, over the last uh, you know six seven years, I saw companies n- not making those type of investments. Uh, it's changed, A- and I, I, I think as the economy changes,
2: for the better, so are uh, learning and development opportunities uh, becoming uh, more available, readily available to our talent development professionals. And you know one of the one of our our goals as as the Association for Talent Development is to be a provider of thought leadership relative to what's going on in the talent development space and offer that to our membership.
0: And that's really what you're offering to address these challenges which is so wonderful for everyone in this field. Correct. I'm wondering again from your background and history and vantage point how do you see technology has impacted this domain of learning development?
2: Huge, it's made a huge impact and it's made a, it, ma- it has made learning a lot easier to access. And I think the challenge is how do you help the learner to adapt to these, to this new technology. And I'll give you an example. We have, we call in the industry, flipped classroom. And that's training speak for, if you need, if you wanna cut down the amount of training time that the person is in class for, then what you need to be able to do is to look at your content and to, to ask yourself, what is it that they can read on their own before they come to a program to socialize that learning? And so the flipped classroom is either you do a, a video or you send them to, uh, we, we have Harvard management Mentor uh, relative to a specific topic they can go into Harvard Management or they can access the video and and learn about the content. What's what's great about that is if they need to review it, it's all on demand so they can review oh, it wow. again.
1: And it can, And nowadays, what? They can look at it on their phone or their Kindle or their iPod. It's, I- it's their iPod, that. their
2: phone. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's It's so accessible. And then what you do as a follow-up to that is that you can offer – in-person sessions, virtually. So the beauty of that is, is that I can, I can bring in people from the US as well as the UK in Latin America and even Asia if we do something in the evening. And you can bring people together virtually and it's live. So that's the beauty of it. I, I, I think it makes learning more flexible, more accessible. The challenge is... Most of us are used to a passive way of learning, particularly people over a certain age. And so the expectation is, well, I come to the class and I learn everything I need to to learn and then I leave. Well, that, that's changing. So the, we have to manage that shift as well. If you want one day of training, six hours of training, boil down to two hours – We're not going to speak faster, (laughs) what we're going to do is provide this flipped learning approach and assume that you will be doing these readings or or, or videos, uh, but you will come to that class with a certain amount of knowledge, and then we can socialize that knowledge through conversation and role plays.
1: Okay, this question is for all three of you because you're all three learning professionals. You are in that arena. Uh, I'm gonna start with you, Holly, but I I wanna hear from all three of you. Is this not raising the level of expectation from the learner? If, If I have all these tools, all this access, then I don't want some clown teaching me, I want, you know Stephen Hawking teaching me about black holes. I want the best of the best of the best. So am I not having a really high expectation for highly specialized talent to deliver the learning? Is that uh...
2: Stone? One of one of the, one of the recommendations I would make, and I'll give you my my access to it: Harvard Manage Mentor, because what? And this is a benefit, and this is the benefit that we sell to our clients about the 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 the, uh, the relevance and the power of what you can access in a Harvard Managed Mentor. If you want to learn about coaching, there are videotapes available through Harvard Managed Mentor from Marshall Goldsmith, who is sort of the, the guru of coaching. You can listen to him in a video clip. You can get a, a, an abstract that he's written. You have access to all of these thought leaders, truly, that you can learn from. So it behooves you, if you really want to get the best of the best, it behooves you to you know, link into a Harvard management or to get access to those individuals. When service quality was, was, was at a high point, Jack Welsh was the – was the mm-hmm. was the person that was in demand and through organizations like Harvard management mentor we have that capability now to be able to get these individuals and 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 videotape them and it's not just necessarily a three-minute video it could be a 20-minute video that you can see in segments part one part two and part three or you
1: know it won't be too long before you can get a john rogner audio (laughs) (laughs) well i'm assuming that (laughs) this is this (laughs) This will be my
3: entree into bigger and better things yes and that's a good transition in that john rogner's interview will be on the internet and and our learners now are on the internet so if they're not getting what they need and desire internally from their learning organizations. Many individuals, especially the younger folks, uh, are looking for it outside of the organization, which is one of the challenges for our learning and development profession is how do we manage that and make sure that, A, we're providing the the right type of learning (coughs) internally, and and if people are going to look outside of the organization, make sure they're still getting the right stuff because there's still going to be good content outside of the firewalls and how do you manage that process? And I don't think that our learning organization has it all figured out yet, but that certainly you know, is, is mixed into the recipe. I find that I have
2: three children, um, all in the millennial generation, and I will tell you, when my daughter wants some information about how to make a pumpkin pie, she wanted to make a pumpkin pie this weekend, she went out to YouTube, boom. <laughs> I right. must have there gotten go. right 30, there, right? 30 videos <laughs> right. on how to make a pumpkin pie. My son wanted to do some electrical work. Boom. There it is. There it is. Yeah. So, so So the information is out there. It's the ability to access it when I need it. And that really is just-in-time training. You can tell me this or I could learn about it three months before <laughs> I'm going to do it. But now we can provide our talent development professionals through our association of talent development with online, state-of-the-art information that they can use.
0: Exactly. Um, it's interesting. My, my perspective on this topic is, is slightly different. Um, and that is for the min- millennials, you're right. I'm going to go get a YouTube and there's a group in the middle and then there's a group at the other end and as learning and development professionals we have that challenge of three very different approaches to how I get information those digital natives who grew up with this technology want it immediately and the volume of information doesn't overwhelm them when you get to be my age the volume of information can be difficult, and that's what I think is so fabulous about Harvard Or is um, sometimes organizations may have a, a hodgepodge of stuff that's out there, but for the learner, it, it's very difficult to aggregate the information into a meaningful, relevant learning path for old people like me. Um, but Harvard Management Mentor is something that is very um, aggregated. It's very targeted. It's very professional and, and really is a magnificent source. Um, and not that overwhelming, oh, my gosh, there's so much information, I don't know what to do with it.
2: I find that 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 uh, Harvard Management Mentor is is one vendor that offers this. There are multiple vendors that, that that offer this, and that's the beauty of this. It's 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 taking technology to the next level. Yes, and there are challenges. Not so much with the millennials, and we even see it with in, in our in our uh, New York chapter uh, of Association for Talent Development. When I look out at at the individuals who, who come to our uh, chapter events, and I can say this because I'm, I'm the over 50 ilk, I, I typically see people who are sort of late 40s into their 50s and even into their 60s. What does that tell me? It tells me that as, a, as an organization that we have to be more flexible in terms of how we deliver our chapter events, our content. Right now, we have sort of a one-dimension delivery. You come face-to-face, you spend an hour and a half or two hours at a chapter meeting, at a chapter event, you learn great stuff. And if you live in central New Jersey like I do, or on Long Island or in Connecticut, by the time you get out of the chapter event, it's eight o'clock, you don't get home until ten o'clock. So what you wind up doing is you wind up spending a whole lot of extra time commuting. And one of the things that certainly the younger generation is looking for, because social media is so prevalent, mm-hmm. they're looking for alternatives. And I think one of the one of the areas that we're going to look at, relative to the uh, our our New York City Metro chapter. Is how do you make this available technologically? Mm-hmm. How, how do you make this available virtually so that if I want to get home at 6.30, I can get home at 6.30, and you know what? I can participate in a, uh, um, a, a chapter event. And I'll give you a, something that, that, that just recently happened to me. I'm, I'm taking a, uh, an executive coaching certificate program, and I've been in, as I said, I've been in learning and development or talent development for a very long time. This was my first online class. And I thought, oh, wow, yeah. now yeah, I'll live it. I'll, yes, I'll Three feel I'll feel. Oh, my God, how do I do this? <laughs> I was, I, I, I made sure that <laughs> I was set up for this. And I got home. I got home at about 6.15. Uh, class started at 6.30. We ended at 9 o'clock. And I thought, this is fat. Lots of interaction, lots of discussion, mm. yes, it was wonderful, and I could eat my dinner, we finished at nine o'clock, and I didn't have to look forward to a two hour commute right. home right. so the benefit of of getting this learning through technology it, it, virtually it it's just it's the tip of the iceberg
1: yep uh before we wrap, if you don't mind, I'd like to shift gears a little bit i want to I want you to speak to. How in the world do you get so many people to generate results with and through their efforts when they don't report to you? Yeah, your whole organization, this ATD, it's, it's built on volunteers, right? Yes. How? <laughs> How do you get it done? Th- that,
2: that's a really, really good question. And when I a year ago, when I was debating whether or not I should do this, I spoke with several of the members who were formerly presidents, and and they said good luck. Two of them <laughs> three said to me, in the "Cookies." I, I said, <laughs> "What will be, what will be the challenge?" And they said, "Have you managed volunteers?" And I said, "No." Mm. Well, that in and of itself will be a challenge. There is a technique, and, and there are two things. That, that I learned from, from, from my experience as president of the New York chapter is, is, is that you can't expect to make change overnight by expecting them to assume that this, their role is a part-time job. It's not a part-time job. Mm-hmm. So to expect that they're going to deliver 20 hours of work to you a week is not going to happen. So you make sure that that you, we, you manage expectations. When we got together in January as a new board, we had very lofty goals, very aggressive goals. And then we stopped for a minute and we said, okay, given the fact that this is a volunteer organization, what can we realistically do without burning people out? And so we had to ratchet those goals down. So I would say be realistic in the goals that you set. The second thing I would say is, is that psychic compensation can do great things. And I find that when I personally or publicly thank a board member or give them a token of our appreciation for what they've done. That means the world to them
1: because they genuinely want to contribute to the profession. They really so that do. That really is meaningful. They really do, yes.
2: and it's nice for, as a board member, as the president, to recognize those efforts. We have. I just got a, a, an email from the, the president for 2015, or president elect, who said, "Look, there were three or four people who probably spent 15 hours uh, working through the um, interviews." I'd like to give them a token of appreciation. And I said to him, by all means. So we're gonna go out and buy some, some little plaques or something just to acknowledge yeah. what they've done. And that's all people want. They just wanna be acknowledged uh, f- for, for their efforts.
1: Well, I have certainly garnered my share of psychic compensation through this conversation today. We got to do this again sometime, whether it's at one of these conferences or we come. Back I would to New be York. delighted to come back. That's I mean, good I because I haven't questions. even, yeah, I was going to say, I haven't even scratched the surface of my question. We've been over much. two
3: hours of questions today. <laughs> yeah, no, okay.
1: Steve, thank you so much for coordinating this and putting this conversation together. Uh, truly in, insightful and, and just a lot of fun, man. We, we'll definitely do this again sometime. Thank you very much. This was great. Thank All right. You. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Holly Payton, our friends over at Training Pros, and Mr. Steve Capon, and especially our guest today, Mr. John Rogner, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family. We'll see you next time on Learning Insights. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for
0: local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.